Hello and welcome back to another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is the March 22nd edition of the podcast. We are recording this. Um, I think the last piece of big NFL news that happened is Teron Armstead signed with the Dolphins. Uh, but we'll be continuing to check Twitter as we come along. Checking Twitter with me will be Christian Amesworth. Christian, are your fingers ready? Are you ready to go for this podcast? You're refreshing. You're good. I'm counting on you to do all of that because for whatever reason, my brain has just so it's, it's become so efficient at doing schoolwork that I can hyper focus on one thing. If there's another thing going on, my, my brain just scatters. So I'm, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to focus on, on the podcast and, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I turn on all the push notifications for this time of year and it's kind of, I'm getting ready to turn off all of them, but like one, whether it be Rappaport or Schefter or whatever, because it's kind of, uh, kind of becoming just the dink and dunk. I mean, I'm trying to think Tyron Matthews, probably the biggest free agent that hasn't signed yet. Now that Tron Armstead has signed. So it kind of gets to be that way. And I mean, there'll be some smaller signings, but if you know, the chief signed someone, I'm going to know about it because there are so many push notifications I have that I'm not going to miss any of them. But um, let's get right into it. Some wild stuff has happened in the NFL since we've last talked. And I wanted to start on a discussion point that is a lot more than just football. Um, we're going to talk about the Deshaun Watson trade. And I feel like it's impossible to have these conversations on Twitter. You know, part of it's because you can only tweet however many characters. And then part of it is, is that you're arguing with someone who has no name attached to their account, has five followers and like tweets the N word every other tweet or something like that. Like it's, it's just impossible to have a reasonable conversation about this. And I think I, I, and I'm being honest about this. I think we need to have a conversation about the Deshaun Watson thing and the trade and how it all went down from like a football morality standpoint. And I'm just going to say my piece and then just kind of talk about it. There is a difference between Deshaun Watson can do nothing to clear his name. He is 100% guilty, should never play football again, and probably never walk as a free man again. And Deshaun Watson is completely innocent. I have no idea what you're talking about. He has every right as everyone else. And unfortunately, it seems like those are the only two sides that exist anymore. And there is a faction of people on Twitter who cannot understand why people are upset about the Deshaun Watson thing and think that it's like, quote unquote, cancel culture or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other keywords that the words that they all use that, you know, people are frustrated about the Deshaun Watson signing and trade. And here's, here's where I kind of want to bring you into the conversation, Christian. First off, let's just, let's cover every basis. Do you think it's possible that Deshaun Watson has sexually assaulted many, many women, many, many masseuses as his time as the quarterback of the Texans? Yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. And I understand that people like to ride the wave of like, all these women are just trying to get money. They're trying to extort him. The, the timing of, of when those allegations came out is like kind of convenient for the Houston Texans. None of that really, I mean, right. There's a middle part, right. Where like Deshaun Watson is 
can be kind of gross, but he also didn't do as much as they said that he did. And that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, he was found innocent, but there are two courts. There's the court of public opinion and there's the court of law. And he was found innocent in the court of law. That doesn't necessarily mean he didn't do anything. So I, I, I'm trying to ride this line perfectly where he, I think, absolutely had something. We will never know to what extent. We don't know how deep it goes. Something happened. But he also n- might not be guilty of as much as they said that he did. So I'm going to, I have a, a key like aha moment with this a- analyst analysis here. So keep it going here. So it is possible that Sean Watson did that to those women. On the other side of the coin, is it possible that 22 women and more, because the lawyer would have to be in on it, possibly the Texans, is it possible that 22 women or maybe one woman and then other people dogpiled on are, for lack of a better term, extorting Deshaun Watson for money and for defamation? Is that possible? Yeah. Absolutely. Both sides are, are completely possible. Okay. But well, one, and, and one I, is way more probable, but they, they are both possible. Okay. And, and I agree. I agree that both of those things are very possible. Our, the thing that I've come back to the whole time throughout this problem is that it only takes one to be right for it to be an issue, right? So 22 women could possibly have made this up and are trying to extort him, but it only takes one to be right. And that's, that's one problem with this, you know, see any player in the NFL who's had an issue with the way that they treat women, whether it be physically or sexually, you know, there's repercussions for that. Now we've got that out of the way that it's both possible. There is, so Deshaun Watson got a new contract, right? Um, that was a big part of how the Browns ended up getting him, which was surprising because the Browns were off the radar, for lack of a better term. So you've got this player who has this allegation against them. There's a criminal investigation. The criminal investigation, they you know have an indictment or whatever. They have a hearing. There's nothing that they can really prove. So the charges, there are no charges brought against that player. And now the player gets a big new contract. And it feels kind of icky because we know he probably did something wrong, but um, you know, there's nothing criminally there, so it's not a big deal, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Because well, I mean, he I, plays I wide receiver for the Chiefs. It's Tyree Kill, right? How how different are is Deshaun Watson's situation from Ty, from Tyree Kill? He was accused of child abuse. There was an investigation. The district attorney comes out and says, we believe that a crime was committed. We just don't know how to prove it and we can't prove them. And fortunately, criminal justice system in this America, you are innocent until proven guilty. They could not prove he was guilty or her, right? And that's the thing too. Browns fans right now are putting on their tinfoil caps and telling themselves that 22 women tried to, some of them, some of them have been ferociously mad about this and I can respect both sides, but people in Cleveland are sitting here telling themselves the same thing that we tell ourselves about um, 
Crystal Espinal or whatever her name is, the girl who Terry Kill was originally with, that she has Munchausen by proxy syndrome and that she's manipulative and a chronic liar and that maybe Terry Kill didn't even commit the first crime that he admitted to. Like we as Chiefs fans cannot, and I mean, we're all sitting here hoping that Terry Kill signs an extension with the Chiefs, right? Like no one's sitting here and talking about the morality and everything. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm never going to cheer for Tyree Kill or Deshaun Watson is innocent. I'm not, I'm not really saying any of those things. I'm just saying those two situations are not as different as they seem. And we completely as Chiefs fans play into that narrative of like, oh, well, you know, we actually know the story about Tyree Kill and, you know, it, it, you know, there were no charges. So he's innocent. You know, OJ didn't kill anybody, right? He was innocent. That's kind of, well, that's kind of this whole thing is talking about. No, I, I get where you're coming from, right? Because at, at the ground level, right? Both of these players have committed horrible acts that they were found innocent of. They may or may not have committed them. They were both found innocent and the fan bases are justifying uh, why that player shouldn't be suspended or have any repercussions as far as football goes because they're part of their team. They, they want to win football games. And if you're a football fan, that's, that's what it's all about is winning football games. But I think there's a difference here in the severity and also of the facts that have been presented, like it, it's not like a, a middle school or, or a grade school came and said, Tyree Kill broke 15 kids' arms and then he ran away and nobody could catch him because he was really fast. And then it's like, well, you know, we went back through, there weren't any cameras. Um, you know, these, you guys came out right before he was about to sign an extension. Like this could have been made up. I mean, it, it was nothing like that. It was like, hey, they, we believe something's happened here and to one person and we can't prove it. And, and it's the same thing with Deshaun Watson, but the severity is, is completely different. Now, I'm not saying that not abusing or abusing children is better than uh, sexually assaulting 22 women. But what, what I am saying there is that there is there's a utilitarian uh argument to be made that the severity of Watson is not as bad as the severity of Hill. Now, with that being said, I think both of those players should have faced and should face punishment by the NFL. I just think that at this point, you, you have no control over whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to play or Tyreek Hill was going to play. I think at this point you say, we'll see what the, what the league does and we'll move on with it because it's obvious to every fan that all fan bases will justify anything that their players do um, and continue to watch the NFL if that player is good enough to get away with it and the league at least takes somewhat of an action against him. Now, I'm not saying that that's the correct stance to take, but that's where we're at. I mean, if the video didn't come out of Ray Rice, he, he would probably, I don't know if he'd still be playing. He would have played longer than he played. Like, if the video of Frank Clark's domestic abuse thing came out, you know, we, we, he probably wouldn't be playing. So, I mean, there, there's a line that you have to take here where it's, it's out of my hands. I don't necessarily understand what's going to happen, but he should still be punished. And I'm going to continue to watch football because there's, there's nothing that I can control there. Yeah. And I think that you did hit the, uh, the nail on the head a little bit with the number of allegations. And I think that's definitely what separates this situation from a lot of other situations is that there are just so many accusations and there were um, 
nine criminal complaints against him as well. So that there's a lot to unpack there. One thing that I just want to bring up too is, and this is more just kind of a life lesson, and then we can kind of move on a little bit with the football side of it. Accusations are serious stuff. And there are way too many people in this, and yes, we are getting a little political here. There's way too many people in this world who are so willing to throw around words. Um, I'll just use one. I'll just go on my soapbox here. There are so many people willing to call other people racist or use that term to describe someone who is not truly being racist at all. A serious accusation, right? Disliking someone because of the color of their skin or their religion or where they're from is an awful thing to do. And I truly believe there are so very few people in this world that are actually that way. I do think there are some, but that term gets thrown around way too much. Accusations are serious things. If, and I mean, this is a huge if, and this is not me vouching for Deshaun Watson, because I, if I had to, you know, true or false, if he's done something, I, I'm going to go with the side that he's probably closer to guilty than not guilty. But if someone accused you of doing something that you didn't do, it's going to be impossible to ever clear your name if you're in the court of public opinion. And that's the thing. Deshaun Watson could literally have not done any of this, and he'll never be able to clear his name. We see that with Tyreek Hill every time. Literally, you know, ESPN will put out some tweets. Only three receivers have had as many 50-plus yard touchdowns as Tyreek Hill. First comment underneath, woman beater. You know, every time, undefeated. So, I, you know, this is just more to say, like, you know, these allegations are serious. We should learn how to kind of talk about them and, you know, be reasonable and understand that there's a middle ground, but also just like in life in general, just remember, like, if you accuse someone of something, it needs to be real. And there absolutely should be some sort of repercussions for people who falsely accuse. Now, you know, we saw that in the DeAndre Baker thing a little bit, like he was accused of a crime and it turns out the other people got charged for extortion because it was false. So it is good to see that sometimes. Um, I guess my biggest thing and where the Browns really stepped on themselves was two things. One, they didn't do basically any groundwork at all. The closest groundwork they did is talk to his defense attorney. They didn't talk to any of the women. They didn't talk to the prosecutor or the person trying the case, the cell suits against him. And then what really reeks is his base salary in the first year of the contract is $1 million. So that way, when he gets suspended, he barely loses any money. That's where it gets like, okay, this is really gross. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but also they're just taking advantage of the system that's been put in place, right? Like it's it's like billionaires stealing money and, and not paying taxes on it and being like, well, the uh, you know, these people are bad people. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of icky that they don't pay taxes on any of their money, but you shouldn't be mad at them. You should be mad at the tax code that allows them to do that. And those, and that's something that you can change. So like looking at this, it's like, yeah, the structures of NFL contracts are, have been made in such a way that you can set however much money you want for the base year, for the first year or the second year or the third year or however many years, as long as the end amount is the same and the incentive line up and, and all that jazz. So the Browns are doing what every savvy organization is is doing and that's taking advantage of the system that's been put in place i don't think that that should have been allowed 
it's it's definitely gross that it happened, but it shouldn't be allowed. That and the the whole them not talking to everything. I just I think that just kind of amplifies the the situation that they're in right now. Like you could do one or the other, but you do both of them in the same week and guarantee him two hundred and thirty million on his contract, which is like as much as Aaron Rodgers is a diva, they give him like 50 million, like 25% more of his guaranteed money than, than Aaron Rodgers got that all that combined seems really gross, but I don't know, man, if, if I was a Browns fan and they, and I believe that Deshaun Watson was innocent and the Browns manipulated the cap that way so that when Deshaun gets suspended, you know, he, he doesn't have to take a big pay cut and the cap situation is good. Then what what's there really to be mad about? Yeah, I I mean, going to the football side of this, as a Browns fan, if I was a Browns fan, the thing that I would be more frustrated with, other than just the morality side of it, is you gave a like a baseball contract. Like this thing is fully guaranteed for Deshaun Watson, a guy who is what maybe the fifth best quarterback in the conference. You know, you could argue for it. You could argue him I, and Joe Burrow, maybe. I, I'll, I'll disagree. I think that he's probably top three. In, okay, so In the AFC? Got, you think he's better like, than Herbert? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, I don't I know, man. That, I've, seen, I've seen Deshaun Watson put up, play some bad football before, man. Like, he single-handedly – Yeah, he was kept, on the Texans. Yeah. Oh, so here we go. Yes, he's going to really improve. <laughs> Thank God he went to the super great fucking Browns. Like, oh, they've so got a good would... roster. They've got a good roster. But and it's the they're Browns. Not, they're not the Texans, dude. They are not the Texans. Brandon You're right. They're, they're the probably only worse. offensive option. At least the Texans have won a division recently. Oh, they probably work, dude. The I'm do, sorry. Do not argue the Texans over the Browns roster wise. Okay, like that... let's go. Let's go back the last couple of years and look at who's been a historically more successful franchise. Historically. Okay. The, the Texans have at least won a divisional round. The Browns haven't even the done Texans, They just won their first playoff game. The Texans most recently had a GM that traded the best wide receiver in the league for like a second round pick and an injury. And I'm here to that. tell you that was the right, that was the right move. <laughs> okay. DeAndre Hopkins We're has done fantasy <laughs> land. Dude, DeAndre, what, what is DeAndre? What has DeAndre Hopkins done for the Cardinals? How good are they with DeAndre Hopkins? He's, he's only been the best wide receiver in the division that they play in. He's not or, even the best of in the division. Cooper yeah, Cup. Who, who you gonna argue? Oh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, no, you mean the guy who literally like was Jerry Rice this season? Yeah. There are players that are above average that have incredible seasons. Okay, gun to your head. Like, gun to your head. Who's winning the AFC North this year? Well, the Rams. They have a better roster. AFC North. AFC North. Oh, AFC North. Okay. Um, Let's see who who all is in that division. The Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, okay, the Bengals, and the Ravens. Deshaun Watson's not going to play, so I'll say Ravens. Okay, I rest my case. Deshaun's not playing. That's part of this. That's part no, of this. Not. Yes, okay. it is. It okay. absolutely, it, it's, dude. This is what I'm saying. That, As a Browns fan, I would be. Okay, go ahead. I would be furious that they gave 230 million guaranteed dollars to a quarterback who's probably not even going to play a full season. Probably isn't even, you know, we can argue. I still think Justin Herbert is a better quarterback. Um, you know, he's not even the top three quarterback in his conference, let alone the NFL. 
And he's going to another inept franchise that has struggled to put a winning product on the field. Uh, you know, like you forget that the Texans at one time had J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Tyron Matthew. They had DeAndre Hopkins. They had Will Fuller. They had some pretty mm-hmm. good running backs there. Like they, you know, they, they, they made, made the Laramie playoffs. Tunsil. They made, they made it to the playoffs. Where have they been since Deshaun Watson has not played? The bottom of the league getting the top three pick every single year? That I mean, just shows yes. you how bad the roster is. Like, you're, you're proving you're proving a very good point, Christian. That quarterbacks are very important in the NFL. That is a well, that is you. very very good point. No one's no one's come to that point before yet. <laughs> or you can look at it like it like this and say, Deshaun Watson and the Texans were making the playoffs routinely and winning that division routinely, beating Andrew Luck in the playoffs, beating Andrew Luck in that conference. You know the Jag. You know you're forgetting the Jags went to the AFC championship that year. Like that, that division isn't as bad as we think it as it is now. And part, part of the circus that is the Texans was after Deshaun Watson stopped playing. And after Bill O'Brien, whenever the, the super church moved in with Nick Casario and all of that, all I'm saying is that Deshaun Watson going to the Browns to the Texans is like selling your 81 Honda civic to buy an 82 Nissan. Like, it's just like, no, it's that dude. that is that's an egregious take that's that's bordering on daniel jones mvp take no dude yes i'm telling you okay what what I'm money not, what money a, can we what money can we put on this how many what what is your point you think that the browns are just a much better organization than than the texans is that what you think organization uh at this point yeah i'd say so um now not okay historically, so historically not so we can expect when can we expect Deshaun Watson to, I won't even say go to the Super Bowl because going to the Super Bowl is, you know, only one team, only two teams get to do that. When is Deshaun Watson in a conference championship game? When is he in an AFC? Yeah. When is he in an AFC championship game with the Browns? Well, I would say that depending on how the situation goes this year with a few different teams, like the chiefs, the chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders, think, the Bills. <laughs> those are those are pretenders. Those are not contenders. The, oh, okay. the Bills, the Bills, though, are are a good team. So I think that the Browns have a good enough roster that under the right head coach, which I, I believe that they have with their current one, I think that they could make the AFC title game in the next four years. I'd say the next, in the next four, the next four years. years. Yep. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we'll, we'll have, have a new president Garrett. by then flying cars, <laughs> but that's COVID not, will be healed. I mean, what do you want me to say? They'll make it this well, year could, when Deshaun Watson won't even. Yeah. I mean, four, four like, years, it's just such a long time. I mean, it's, you know, anything could happen. If Patrick Mahomes could retire in four years. I'll tell I, you what, I'll write, I'll write this down. They win their division next year. Okay. What money are we putting on it? How much? Dude, I'm a college student, man. Uh, I don't know. A fifth of Jim Beam. I don't know. <laughs> what? We will settle the currency, but I will absolutely take another team to win the division besides the Browns this okay. year. But I, I better get a big big payoff then because I'm choosing one of four teams. You, you have three teams. I'm only getting one. Which further proves my point that they're not that good of an organization because there's three no, other good teams. Odds. You have just have odds on your side. Like there are there are a hundred different things that could happen to just the Browns. You're, it would have to happen to all three of the teams in the division. So keep in mind, your argument is Browns are a good organization. My argument mm-hmm. is 
Browns are not a good organization because look at how good the AFC is right now. I'm so, saying that they're a better organization than the Texans. I never said that they were a great organization. I'm saying that right now in their current state, this year and maybe the next two or three years, they'll be better than the Texans. But, I, but, but separately, I am also saying that the Browns are going to be a good team over the next three years. Well, just keep in mind, Deshaun Watson's number one tar- target is Amari Cooper and David Njoku. There's yeah. no OBJ. There's no Jarvis Landry. There's no Austin Hooper. Both those guys are still on the, on the market right now. Jarvis Landry, true. OBJ. That is true. Maybe, maybe it's just what they need. See how many – I mean, they've already got Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson on one team. Let's get, uh, get Antonio Brown back. Oh, dysfunction city, baby. I like that. Okay, so that took a lot longer than I was expecting. <laughs> I didn't. I did not realize that we had the the dog pound with us tonight. But that's fine. Let's talk about the other big trade that happened: the Devontae Adams to the Raiders trade. Um, we don't have to spend forever on this. This was shocking to say the least. Um, I did not see this coming. Um, you know, the Aaron Rodgers side of it's really interesting. Let me just ask you this: the Raiders' offense. Is it a top 10 offense this year? Is it a top five offense this year? I, you know, I, I kind of think, yes. I think you have to say so. Like who was their number one option last year? Darren Waller, like a tight end. And I understand that Kansas city has the same, you know, sort of situation. Tyree kill, I think had more receptions, but Travis Kelsey is the main threat on any given play. So with that being said, they just got somebody that was better than their best player and wide receiver. The receiving core in general is one of those positions where you add one for for every step you go up. If you get a better fifth receiver then your sixth receiver has an easier time, you you start going up, you get a new third receiver. The number, the previous number three, the now number four has an easier time. They just did that with their entire receiving core. They said, Hunter Renfro, you know how you were really, really good last year. And, and, probably not talked about as as much as you should have been you're now going to be getting single coverage on almost every single play because they are not going to double you when they have to double Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and now I understand their offensive line isn't the best in the league okay the Chiefs offensive line wasn't the best offensive line in the league when they when Patrick Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards like with the Raiders their roster currently assembled with Josh Jacobs, who is a legitimate threat. I, I don't think he's a superstar running back, but a legitimate threat out of the backfield with a brand new number one wide receiver and Derek Carr, as much as we love to give him shit. And you know what? He might not be as good as Joe Burrow or some of these other young quarterbacks. He's still a competent quarterback. I'd probably take him over Kirk Cousins. He, he's in that second tier of, of quarterbacks who are above average. I think that they pose a legitimate threat on offense. Now, defense, that's, that's another story. We'll, we'll probably see them give up 30 a game, but Chiefs aren't in a much better spot anyway, so I don't know if I can be talking. Man, I tell you what, if the, if the Raiders were in some of the other divisions, I mean, they could definitely win the NFC East, probably win the AFC South, a couple other divisions that they could easily be the best team in, and they're still probably fourth. I, I completely agree, though. I think that this is going to be a really good offense. One thing that I think is underrated, 
You know, they bring in the wonder kid from new England. How different is Derek Carr's game right now? Forget the super bowls and the goat and all that for a second. How different is his game now from what Tom Brady's game is? Not that different, right? That offense is going to be tailored to do the things that Derek Carr does. Well, not a huge field stretcher, but the good thing is, is that they've got two guys who are such precision route runners that they're not Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro aren't field stretchers. The route, they're technical guys who can get open off the line of scrimmage. He is going to feast on slants and crossers, man. That is going to be death by a thousand cuts. And yeah, Josh Jacobs, you know, I think his death, his best season's probably behind him, but he's still a competent running back and can look good at times. And, you know, Darren Waller's probably a top three or four tight end in the league. He struggled to stay healthy last year. The offensive line is definitely still the question there. Um, Colton Miller at left tackle has been average. You know, he's kind of Eric Fisher-esque, but the interior really struggled. They still don't, I don't, you know, they had Trent Brown and now he's back with the Patriots. The offensive line still leaves room to be desired, but that pass rush is going to be good. Um, we know that, you know, Max Crosby is a great player. And I think that they're doing a decent job at kind of throwing numbers at the secondary. So it'll be interesting for sure. I, I just, man, if you're the, if you're the Packers and I don't know how true this rumor is, this sounds like something that an agent would say and tell Schefter to tweet out the whole, the Packers offered him more money, but he turned it down to go play with the Raiders. Why would Devonte Adams do that? Like just, I mean, maybe it's mean? just, maybe it's just Vegas. And yes, I know him and Derek Carr played on the same team in college, but look, man, like Kiki no. Kuti used to play with Patrick Mahomes too. All right. And Patrick Mahomes ain't leaving the chiefs to go play with the Texans whenever he was back on the Texans, even though they're a better organization than Browns. Um, they, you know, he's not doing all like that. That, that makes it makes no sense to like there to makes, me what I well, to me what I think happened is that I think that the negotiations went bad in the beginning and they were trying to lowball him and it Devonte Adams was never coming back this you know when he got tagged he was never coming back no and I, I, oh, the sorry. Raiders were just the end of the story you know yeah well I'm to me it just makes sense that this this whole trade. 100%. I can understand completely why Devontae Adams wanted to get out of uh, Green Bay. And I mean, you saw it too. We, we saw this coming from two years ago when Green Bay franchise tag Devontae Adams. And he's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be a good boy. I'll, I'll play on the tag. We'll see what happens. They tag him again. Okay. All right. You know, maybe, maybe I, I'd still like to be restructured. I mean, the wide receiver market at that point in time, it wasn't like people were getting paid 30 plus million a year, 28 million a year. So you could have saved yourself money about three years ago when I wanted to be extended. Now we're at the point where you have Aaron Rodgers, who can throw a temper tantrum, say whatever he wants in the media, have basically his own press conference on the Pat McAfee show where they lowball him questions the whole whole time he's on there. Like you you get you have that guy who has been nothing but a brain aneurysm to your organization for his entire tenure. And then you you'll pay him, you'll guarantee him $150 million after he essentially holds you at gunpoint every off season, threatening he's going to retire because you didn't spend a first round draft pick on a wide receiver and instead thought you might maybe plan for the future. Like Devontae Adams saw that. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to stick around here. Like 
first of all, Aaron Rodgers, they, they said they were going to be the last dance. It, this, that was what they said before the season came on. So Devontae Adams was planning on partying. But- yeah, that's, that, that was the thing that was kind of like, uh, like you know, a really good uh, movie twist type of thing. Like that was it whenever you realized that the last dance was always about Devontae Adams and not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, which still I'd like to point out that their last dance was a wet fart noise. Uh, you know, losing to Jimmy G and not being able to score 13 points is, you know, a lot different than how I remember the Michael Jordan documentary going, but that's fine. Well, that's because Devontae Adams is Pippen uh, had about eight turnoffs, eight turnovers in a playoff game. Like what can you, Michael Jordan can only be so great. You can only be the best at your position. And I mean, he didn't go to the suit. He didn't go to the NBA finals every single year, man. He's yeah. carrying some bones, and, and I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen with, with Aaron Rodgers now that Devontae Adams is gone, because have you looked at their receiving core? I, I know yeah. that we said ours was bad the, uh, last year. <laughs> the whole trading Devontae Adams so you can sign Razul Douglas, a guy who's been on a <laughs> practice squad and had one, like corners, man, corners are like, they're just, you know, like hot streaks at a poker table. You get on them and then they fall apart. Like trading that money to give him a big deal. It's just like, Oh wow. Like really you serious? Like it would have been one thing if they would have done that and then went and signed like OBJ and then like maybe done Juju or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, they're going to piece it together. Some of the secondary weapons and we know Aaron Rodgers can elevate guys, but the, yeah, the like, Oh wow. Razul Douglas, you shouldn't have thing well, is just kind of. Can, can you imagine? So we're going into this NFL draft. Malik Willis, the best quarterback prospect in this, this draft cycle, falls to the Packers, and they take him in the first round. What, what hell would rain down in that organization the next day? Because Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he could psychologically handle another quarterback being taken with a first-round pick. Like it, it might actually mentally break him and send him out of the league. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I feel like they've they've crawled into bed with that and that contract that they're not going to do anything for a while. And I mean, to be fair, you can't you can't really blame them. I mean, like this could be the Chiefs in a year or two when it comes to uh, to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. I mean, it may be very well that you know Travis Kelsey's new deal is up and they decide to walk on him at the right time, and it's going to suck, but it might be the right decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess that's true, but so yeah, I mean, the quarterback's always going to win, or else you end up in yep. a Russell Wilson situation. Um, real quick, just a quick hitter. Where do you think Baker Mayfield? Like, what is Baker Mayfield's future in the league? Do you think that he's salvageable? Do you think that another team trades or signs for him? I think he gets the Mitch Trubisky treatment. If I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I think that he goes to a team that is going to need a quarterback next year or who, who needs a backup that can produce at a high level. And he signs with, man, I don't know, the Eagles. Like he, he comes in as a, as a backup where if something happens, you, he can come in and give you something. But I don't think that he starts. I think that the tape that he's put out over the past couple of years and playing on that injured shoulder and ribs, I don't think that helped him at all last year. It, it might have won him some favors with his teammates, but – you see where that got him. As soon as Deshaun Watson got announced he was getting traded, every player was tweeting at him. Hey, come on down, brother. We're, we're going to win this year. Or 
you know, the next couple of years. I don't, I don't know where he goes. I have no idea. I don't think he's, a, I don't think he gets a starting spot. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. Part of it is, is that I, you know, I think he could get another chance, but man, where the thing about the NFL right now is there are so many teams that are just kind of like holding Pat at the quarterback position. You know, there's teams like who just drafted a quarterback like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, those teams, you know, and then there's like Jalen Hurts. It's kind of in that, you know, we're just waiting and seeing thing. So yeah, the Eagles, Eagles aren't a bad bet. I do think that, you know, Baker Mayfield has a little bit better football than what he put on tape this year. I definitely think he was injured, but man, oh man, that system that he was in should have complemented his skill set with how pass, with how run heavy and play action happy it was. And for him to struggle that much, you know, I, he, he may be a backup. I mean, we, we might've seen his last time as a starter, the Mitch Trubisky plane is a good one. You know, maybe he get, I don't even know. And the thing is, is that he's kind of a diva. Whereas Mitch Trubisky is pretty much a straight shooter. You know, he's yeah. not really had a bunch of issues. I couldn't yeah. see some team like the Rams or the chiefs or the, the bills or someone signing Baker to sit on the bench. Like that would almost kind of be a sideshow. Uh, teams don't really like that in the backup quarterback. You know, they want the backup quarterback to sit down, shut up, and take notes. Yeah, it, it is kind of that one position that they like guys that are, you know, really mature. That I mean, they'll let divas be on the outside, whether it's cornerback or wide receiver. But as soon as you get in that leadership leadership position, they want they want Peyton Manning, man. They want Tom Brady. They want, you know, strong, poised, quiet guys that can go out on the field and get stuff done. I don't I don't know if Baker can do that so yeah it'll be interesting to see where he goes who knows at this point right yes yeah um okay so in regards to talking about some of the quarterback situations i wanted to play a little game with you the top eight quarterbacks in the afc just the afc who do you have as your number one quarterback in the afc in the afc i think it's patrick mahomes Okay. I don't think that's no that's argument here. Okay. Who is your number two quarterback in the AFC? Are, are you talking about guys that are going to be playing this year or not playing this year? Are, are we including those guys? I mean, just assume that everyone plays for now. I mean, someone okay. could get hurt or suspended. Yeah. Uh, well, after that, I'm, I'm going to say Josh Allen still. Okay. So Josh Allen's two. Then who do you have third? Deshaun Watson. Over over Justin Herbert, just a hair. Okay. Just a hair. So I'm going to put Justin Herbert there, but you can put Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson there. Okay. I, can, then, I can see why you did that. Then who? Justin Herbert as okay. my, my next one. I'm going to – so my list is going to go Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert – or Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. Okay. And then I'm going to go to Sean Watson. Who's your fifth? Russell Wilson. Okay, I am going to argue after Deshaun Watson, I'm going to put Joe Burrow. I, I would also say Joe Burrow. Okay, um, after Joe Burrow, I'm going to put Lamar Jackson. Same. After Lamar Jackson, I think I'm probably going to – I'm tempted to probably go Derek Carr here. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably going to go Derek Carr. 
So how many is that? That's that, one, two, that's three, eight. four. Yeah. So. Well, hold on. I, I got to give my okay. eight. Who's your eight? Matt Ryan. Oh, you cheated. He just got traded to the Colts. You cheated. No, so you I didn't. Matt, you think Matt Ryan's better than Derek Carr currently? Yes. Yes. Currently, at this point in time, yes. Who's your ninth? Derek Carr. Okay. So, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr are like your eight ninths, basically, right? Like, they're right in there. Yeah. I mean, it's not nip and tuck. I would say that one has a, a little bit of a lead over the other one. I don't think we were talking before the podcast and I compared loving Chris Ballard and the Colts to being a big cryptocurrency guy. You know, there's always that guy who's trying to sell you the next thing. He's like, Oh man, you got to buy a cucumber coin. It's going to take off in the next couple of years and you're going to make a bunch of money. Cucumber coin is where it's at. All these simps, they like the mainstream stuff, the Bitcoin and the Dogecoin, but cucumber coin, it's the future. I keep being told by people that Chris Boward is this great GM and that he's just so smart and so heady. Um, first off, no, they've done nothing since he's been there playoff wise or not playoff wise. I'm not even sure if they've won the division since Chris Boward there. I think they, I can't, I cannot remember if the year that the Chiefs played in 2018, I think 2018 was the time that they won the division and Andrew Luck came into KC and just got curb stomped by the Chiefs in that snowy game. But the Chris the Ballard Col- there? Chris I think Ballard so. There? I think that was his first okay. year there right. because he's, he okay. took that job with Andrew Luck and everyone's like, oh, you know, he's got the quarterback figured out. He's healthy. Like this is going to be the next, you know, a, a sleeping giant for lack of a better term. And then he just up and retired. Um, that, that sounds right. Uh, and the Colts, let me list you their star players and what position they play. You have Darius Leonard, linebacker. You have DeForest Buckner, the th- what, the third or fourth be- best defensive tackle in the league. You have left guard Quentin Nelson, and you have running back Jonathan Taylor. Those are their stars. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that the Colts are some rising tide and that I just think that it's time that people start talking about Chris Ballard more realistically. The team is devoid of weapons besides Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor came into the draft. And one of the concerns was the mileage that was on him. And who knows, maybe he's the next Derrick Henry and he's just going to hold up forever. But I'm telling you, man, the injuries are coming for him. They've already come for Derrick, uh, Derrick Henry. It's going to happen. They, you know, their, their offensive line is already kind of becoming more of a weakness than it was. Yes, they've got a good right tackle, but, you know, they don't currently have a left tackle. Eric Fisher was theirs last year. Um, you know, some people really like them. So Michael Pittman Jr., he is a top 25 receiver in the league, 30 maybe. That, to me, is not really a weapon. You've got Mo Alley Cox, who, you know, it's awesome. I guess they did just trade for uh, Ngakwe, so... There's that. But I mean, man, I'm just the Colts and their move. They always get so praised. They have no first round pick this year because they traded it for Carson Wentz. And now they've traded their next pick for Matt Ryan, who, you know, if you look at his player reference page, looks pretty good. Lots of awards and stuff like that. He also is 36, completely not mobile, which, you know, neither is 
Tom Brady, but he's also Tom Brady. And last year in 17 games, he threw for 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And I'd argued that the supporting cast of weapons is not that much better in Indianapolis. I think Michael Pittman and Kyle Pitts is probably a push. Now, obviously, Jonathan Taylor on that offensive line is a big upgrade. Well, I, I think that they get a little overhyped. And, and I'll agree with you to an extent, right? I, I think that they are a little bit overhyped. I, I don't think Chris Ballard is as good of a GM as people say. But, I mean, they've made some pretty good moves over the past couple of years outside of the Carson Wentz, whatever you want to call that. Um, I, they've had a good draft. Quiddy Pay was, was a guy I had really high on my boards last year, defensive end. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, they're, they're pretty good along the offensive and defensive lines. Once you get outside of that, though, it's, they're, they're a little thin. I mean, we, you talked about Michael Pittman Jr. Um, and, and Jonathan Taylor being their two main stars on offense. Is Michael Pittman Jr. number one? We don't really know. Maybe. Maybe he could be. Probably. You know, you can kind of be in either camp with him. Jonathan Taylor is Derrick Henry, but he's going to fall at, like – it just astounds me the the amount of hype that these running backs get and they get it for two years, three years at the most. It, it never fails. These guys, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, guys like that, they're coming, they're completely dominant. And their team goes, well, it's a strength of our offense. We'll feed them the ball. Well, then you get Derrick Henry now who's injured every single season because he's getting a thousand carries a game. Like, I, I don't think that that's sustainable. And I understand that they added Matt Ryan, who I think is an upgrade over Carson Wentz and does put them in the top half of the AFC in quarterback. But like, how far are they going to go? I don't know. They, they might win their division. We, we talked about that before the podcast started. They, they could win their division. Yeah, sure. Are they beating the Chiefs? No. Are they going to beat the, the Bills? No. Are they going to beat the Bengals? I mean, maybe. You're, you're pretty hot on them regressing this year, so maybe. Yeah, it, it's possible. I don't think they're anything more than like a first or a second round exit in the playoffs. And I think that you might even be being a little generous here. Like, is, is there any team that you see them beating that they could like as they're currently constructed they, they might be able to trade for a wide receiver and and up it a little bit but yeah I mean I don't I don't see the path to major improvement I the Colts are just hanging in nothingness man and don't get me wrong you know we just finished ridiculing the Browns for the Deshaun Watson move but you never heard the Colts ever be a player in the Deshaun Watson and the Russell Wilson sweepstakes either I mean how awesome would that? It just seems like to me that Chris Ballard is this GM that he he makes a bunch of mid moves that everyone really likes. Like, oh, wow, Matt Ryan for just a third and Carson Wentz for maybe a first or it could be a second. And he makes all these mid moves. But he, you know, like someone I was arguing with someone the other day and they said he can clearly build a great roster. Look at what he's done with all these quarterbacks. And it's like, OK, cool. How many GMs have gotten fired because they can't get the quarterback right? Like, it's the most important thing. And, I mean, we, we were just talking about it with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Quarterback over everything. Even Devontae Adams, you know. And if you don't get that right eventually, it does matter. It doesn't matter how good Quentin Nelson is or Darius Leonard or Rakia Sin or whoever. You know, you can have all these great drafts that are, you know, get great report cards on the, the Sunday after the draft. 
but at the end of the day, they keep, you know, living in mediocrity while the AFC has, you know, seven quarterbacks that are better than your quarterback. Well, look at the Browns. They're, they're a perfect example of that. They got everything right except for the quarterback. Now, I guess you could say linebacker and maybe cornerback and safety a little bit. But outside of that, I mean, they had good wide receivers. They had the best one-two punch for running back in the league. One of the best offensive lines. Miles Garrett, they had a bunch of studs on the defensive line. Multiple first-round picks spent at cornerback. And the quarterback just couldn't get him over the hump. And now the, who would you rather have? The Browns with Baker Mayfield at their peak strength or the Colts with Matt Ryan at their peak strength? Like, to, to me, it's not even close. The, the teams, I don't care how much better Matt Ryan is um, th than Baker Mayfield, although I don't think that it's an incredible upgrade. It's not like going from whoever the Bills quarterback was to Josh Allen. Like, but even that incremental improvement, I don't think would be enough for them to go further than where the Browns went. Like, and what, what were they, a first-round exit this yeah. year? I mean, what, what both of those teams are, it's exactly what the Chiefs used to be. They used to just be those teams that when they have a good day, they can sneak up and beat a great team in the AFC or the NFC. You know, they have that opening night of the Patriots 2018 season or wherever where they rise up and you can feel really good about that win. But when the playoffs come around and the big boys come out to play, they go home. And that's all the Chiefs ever were with Alex Smith or, you know, Matt Castle or whoever. They were just opponents for the great quarterbacks Ben Roethlisberger Peyton Manning Tom Brady those guys sent them packing mm -hmm. you know and that that's kind of what they are right now until they figure that situation out and I mean you're right the Browns the Browns you know probably crossed the line of quarterback over everything right because they're like 22 women screw it our fan base screw it quarterback yep and at the end of the day are we going to remember this in five years yeah I mean we did with Big Ben uh, yeah, I mean, is he still getting booed at crowd for like in different stadiums? Yeah, right. Sure. The, the, gross, the grossest thing, the grossest thing will be whenever, you know, let's say you're right and the Browns just turn into this powerhouse with Deshaun Watson. And we're sitting here listening to Chris Collinsworth talk about the Browns and this trade that, you know, redid the franchise. That's going to be gross. Like that's mm -hmm. I don't think anyone can feel good about that. And the only thing that's worse about it is, again, going back to the kind of like two sides on the extreme, there's going to be people who are tweet, you know, who write for like The Athletic or PFF or something like that, who are going to tell you, you shouldn't watch the Super Bowl because it'll feature Deshaun Watson and this is how we protest. And it's like, I, I, I want to watch the Super Bowl, man. Like, sorry, yep. I like football. And then there'll also be people who watch like there's nothing wrong with it at all. But let's get to um, a little bit less um generic crime talk let's talk about the chiefs um since we've last talked the big signing was juju smith schuster uh also coming back is andrew wiley um they added chad henny back which was kind of expected but you know it was i was a little interested to see what they were going to do with the backup quarterback position and they also added a swing tackle um let me I'm trying to remember. I remember his last name is Christian, which is kind of yep. weird because that's, you know, like a first name normally you would know. What was his first I name? I can't, it's like Co, like it's, it's something weird. 
Yeah, it well, was weird. It's something that is not. It's not a Koye. Christian Koye is someone different. Um, I'll pull it up here in a second. But yeah, I, you know, the Juju Smith-Schuster signing, it almost felt inevitable, right? Like it kind of felt like it was bound to happen. But what do you think of it as a whole, as a fit, as the deal? What do you think of it overall? I think it's a perfect fit. I think that, I mean, you tweeted it out last week. Uh, or, or right after it happened, I think. And it was, he's what Sammy Watkins should have been, which is a reliable number three option for Patrick Mahomes that can go up and get contested 50-50 balls, who can play out of the slot, who can play anywhere you need him to play and make plays for you. And that's exactly what he is. He probably wouldn't be a number one on any team. He'd probably be an average number two on a lot of teams, but here he's going to be an incredible number three. And I think that realistically, I think you could expect a thousand yard season, although I don't know how much of the offense is going to be featuring McCole Hardman. And if they end up drafting like George Pickens or, or a wide receiver in the first, which they absolutely could still do, even though they don't have two defensive ends to play on the field, like they, I, th I think that Juju will be a reliable option unless McCall Hardman has some breakout year where he says, I'm tired of, you know, being essentially ridiculed every time he steps on the field, every play he makes. Um, but right now it looks like he's more invested in TikTok than he is his offseason plans. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But overall, great signing. I, I love it. Man, I, I want to understand what – it is so weird to me, man. Side note, the, the Packers signed Jaron Reed today. And there's a guy who, man, his, his business plan is amazing. He's basically made being a Packers fan into a career. His name is Aaron Nagler. He runs Cheesehead TV. And if you're looking for a Packers follow, he's definitely the guy. And he tweeted, I love this signing in all caps about Jaron Reed. Mm -hmm. And I quote tweeted and said, he was awful in KC. And then Aaron Nagler was responding and conversating with me a little bit about the signing and that was fine but then there was all these Packer fans in my mentions who apparently you know have watched a lot more Jaron Reed than I have even though I watched every single snap that he had with the Chiefs and um you know they were just proceeding to tell me how stupid I was and like all these they were like go watch TikTok all this it's like what the hell man like we have zero problem with players posting on Instagram zero problems with players posting on Twitter you know, not a lot of them have Facebooks, but I'm sure some of them do. But by God, if they make videos on TikTok, it is a total clubhouse destruction. <laughs> it is cancer. Like Deshaun Watson, thank God he didn't do TikTok or else he'd be a real nuisance. Like, what the hell, man? I'm here to tell you, like, you know, me and you, I have a child. He's very young, though. You don't have kids. But I'm here to tell you, like, anyone who has a kid who's in that, like, you know, teenager phase or even like middle school, 10, 11, 12, that tweens, your life involves TikTok. It is just the social media that these, like, it is so get off my lawn, man yells at cloud type of crap that people freaks out over TikToks all the time. Yes, I agree. The Jackson Mahomes uh, uh, juju TikTok joke is funny the first 50 freaking times. But like, dude, he's making videos of himself dancing and being funny. Now, people had issue with the logos thing. Clearly, we saw with the Chiefs and Raiders, teams really care about their logos. And I think he knocked that off after he kind of got his ass kicked a couple of times and realized that. But like, 
man, I just give it up over the TikTok, man. There'll be a new social media, okay? So, like, no, I gotta, I gotta push back a little bit here because if you're the Koch brothers and you own, you're this big time CEO, and in your spare time, you're you're setting out your phone, having people hold your phone for you, and doing TikTok dances. That's a bad look. That's a bad look for all of Coca Cola. That's that's a bad look for all of the companies that they own. It, it's all based on, like, the the presentation of your your business or your your organization, right? So like, it's really bad when you have people who are supposed to be above these types of like. I'm not saying you can't have fun, but it seems to me like when you spend that type of time and you don't perform on the field then it's like, well, this time could have been better spent if you were in the gym or watching film, which oh I mean- Oh my gosh. I'm not saying that will that's you my please, argument. Will you, but... please get, will you please say, get off my lawn for me? Will you, <laughs> will you just say it for me, but like curmudgeonly? Dude, these are like, you are doing the thing where like Patrick Mahomes puts a video of him and Brittany like on a boat eating charcuterie in the off season and someone goes- why why aren't you watching film if you really cared like tom brady he'd be a winner and he wouldn't do this stuff or like you know whenever the 15th all-state commercial comes on with patrick mahomes and everyone's like he was too distracted and that's why he threw all those interceptions because he's making all those all-state commercials he should care more about the these are humans man they are absolutely humans and they probably put in more work than we can fathom when it comes to the off season, I liken it to teachers, right? Like teachers, they put in a lot of work in a nine month period, right? And it's really more like 10 or 11 months, but they get summer break, right? But I'm here to tell you, my wife is a teacher. I used to be a teacher. Um, Like you put in a lot of work in those months, but then when it's time to relax, you get to relax. Those teachers probably put in more than 40 hours a week during their nine months that they do work. Now you also get snow days and holidays and things like that. Those are all great, but like Patrick Mahomes definitely puts in his work, but when it's his off season, he gets to enjoy it. So like, I don't think that, you know, you use the Koch brothers example. Yeah. Like they get, you know, like, I don't look at that and say like, Oh, they're a bad CEO. Like they'll tell you, you know, that some of the most successful people are people who take time to relax and do those things. I, I don't know. We're getting into a weird discussion right now, but I, I, I just want to make one more point. Okay. And, and that's that like in Chiefs kingdom, TikTok has become, you know, essentially the antichrist. And it's been a distraction. Like Jackson Mahomes TikToks, whether you care about them or not, has become a distraction. And now you have teams and fans rooting against the Chiefs because of these TikToks. And so when you add that extra motivation to these other teams and you aren't acting as professional as the rest of every other player in the league, then it sets a bad... It, it's it's just bad for the team. It's bad for morale. It's bad for the the bulletin board material that the other team gets on the weekly. It's like, oh, here's Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, him, Mikol, and Jackson Mahomes did the uh, Corvette Corvette dance on your logo before the game started. Or they did it on Sean Taylor's grave at the Commander's game. How does that make you feel? It's like, well, it, it's disrespectful. They shouldn't be – you should be in a different mindset. If you're going in to make a big presentation, like you, you probably shouldn't be dancing and doing that kind of stuff. You should be getting your material ready. You should be, this is a big moment. This is a big deal for the fans and for the organization. Every game is, you should be prepared for that. You shouldn't be doing dances on the sidelines. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have just eclipsed you in the dad mentality, but I, 
I just cannot get over how much I hate the TikToks. I can't, I can't do it. it. It might give me an aneurysm or a heart attack and I'm not even 28 yet. So yeah, that's, that's really saying something. We probably, what is, it's almost bedtime for you. We need to get you a nice cup of hot milk and a shaw and put you to bed, grandpa. Mm-hmm. It's almost time for your nap. Um, on the field, Juju, I think, you know, this, I said the Sammy Watkins thing. I think at their peak, Sammy Watkins is probably a slightly better player than Juju, although Juju's had one, you know, pretty elite season as far as a receiver goes. Sammy Watkins' health was something that plagued him his whole career, though. I mean, I think he had one or two healthy seasons in Buffalo, and then it just started there and went on to the Rams and the Chiefs. Um, but, I mean, Juju, the thing that I like the most about him you know, we've talked about bringing in a litany of players as the second and receiving option. And a lot of the guys are guys who used to be ones, you know, like I never really liked the idea of bringing in Julio Jones because he's always been the number one option in a team. And he, Juju knows how to be a second wide receiver and that's where he's been the best at. And that's why I would have really loved the Robert Woods trade that the, uh, was made by the Titans. I thought that was great, especially for six round pick. That was more or less a salary company salary dumped by the Rams but that's what I like about Juju is that he really knows how to fit that role my one question is is are they looking at this as we're going to put Tyreek Hill back on the outside and make him our field stretcher and then put Juju in the slot and let him try to get all the underneath with Travis Kelsey personally for me I think what what Tyreek Hill became this year where he was the slot underneath guy you know, he still, he had, like he said, his record for catches, he still was super productive, but we didn't get as many of those field stretching plays. He became more of a yak player. The thing that is unfortunate is like the Chiefs shouldn't need to go sign a field stretcher, right? They've got two of the fastest guys in the NFL, but because of the players that they are, you don't fear McCole Hardman on the outside, particularly. It would be great if, you know, Tyreek Hill and Juju could both be more underneath guys. And maybe the answer is that Juju plays on the outside more and and him and Tyreek just kind of switch inside outside because they both have that flexibility. Personally for me, and I know a lot of people, we've kind of already went down this a bit, down this road a bit. I would love to see the Chiefs do something like with Sammy Watkins, if they could get him on the vet minimum. Because if you get, like, just treat him like, you know, LeBron and the NBA regular season. Just don't let him play at all until the playoffs. And just keep him healthy. Because I'm telling you, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins would be insane on the same field. You just got to keep them healthy for three or four games, you know, and that that would be bonkers. But, um, yeah, I, I love what this does for McCole Hardman, too. I think that, you know, this – we saw him be the best that he was in the Chiefs for the Chiefs the last couple of games of the season into the playoffs, and it was when he was getting those manufactured touches. Yes, he can be productive at times as a wide receiver – but whenever they create touches for him is when he's at his best, whether it be screens, handoff, little small flat routes, but that's where he's really productive at. So I think that um, I think that the Juju signing was something I love the money. I mean, you can't argue with it. The 10 million that was first reported is all incentives, which he's probably not going to hit all of them unless the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and he has a huge year. So overall, I think it's great. I think it was time that they needed to address this position overall as a whole. And I also really like the fact that the Chiefs just, you know, we read that Demarcus Robinson is another weapon for Derek Carr in Las Vegas. That there was a tweet hilarious. that said that. And yes, hilarious. hilarious. 
But I was so proud of the cheat. Like we were, we were actually talking about this. We'll get to a little bit more broad. We were talking about this before the podcast that you asked me what I thought of the chief season so far. And I told you, if I did not see the other team's moves this year, like if I couldn't see the Colts moves and the Raiders and the Broncos, and I just saw the chief season free agency so far, I would love it because I think that they are being really responsible. I think that they are not going out and blowing their cap up. They're not going out and trading a bunch of picks for one player and giving him a new contract. They are simply, you know, kind of picking up the breadcrumbs off the ground a little bit that are left behind. Justin Reed, great, smart signing. I think it's exactly what they needed instead of giving all the money to Tyron Matthew. They clearly read his market well. The Juju Smith-Schuster signing addressed a problem of need that had been a problem for a while. They threw numbers at right tackle, you know, with Andrew Wiley and the signing from the Texans. You know, they've, they've done a lot of really smart things, in my opinion. And I think that they just need to keep doing this and picking up pieces. And I, I think when it comes to the pass rush, the thing that we all have the most questions about, Jaron Christian, by the way, is the player's name. I couldn't remember. Jaren. Yeah, I, I think it's Jaron. It's J-E-R-O-N. I think it's pronounced Jaron, but I'm not looking at it phonetically. But so um, completely off with my... Yeah, I just remembered it was Christian okay. was his last name. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really like it because I don't think I, – I almost think – and I put this tweet here. I embedded it in our show sheet because I wanted to bring this up kind of as my last point. Um, I, I think that the Chiefs are maybe zigging while everyone else is zagging a little bit. We've seen this year more than any other offseason. I mean, how crazy is it? Russell Wilson's on a different team. Matt Ryan's on a different team. Carson Wentz is on his third team. All these players are trading, changing teams that we never thought would leave their franchise. You know, Tom Brady's changed teams. These are all the first round picks that have already been traded. And this is before the draft where we see some picks moved otherwise. Justin, so these are the pick numbers and who, like why they got moved. So this season, pick number seven was moved for Justin Fields. It's now Giants. Seattle has number nine from Denver for Russell Wilson. Pick 10, New York Jets have it from Seattle for Jamal Adams. Pick number 13, Houston has it from Cleveland for Deshaun Watson. Pick number 15 from Miami for Jalen Waddell. They moved up to get Jalen Waddell. Pick number 16, Philadelphia from Indianapolis for Carson Wentz. Pick 22, Green Bay has it from Las Vegas for Devontae Adams. Pick 29, Miami has it for San Francisco for Trey Lance. Pick number 32, Detroit has it from LA for Stafford. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine picks that have been moved, player for player picks, more or less. I think, you know, we're seeing the teams, they're always trying to replicate what the Super Bowl team did. The Rams were all in and made, you know, all these picks and all these moves. And I think, you know, hopefully this is a season that the Chiefs can kind of do the opposite of what other teams are doing and value their draft picks. And maybe this is a year that we see them get another four or five good starters out of the drafts. I'm really hoping that maybe a team is aggressive and tries to trade back up into the first round for a quarterback that they got to have. You know, maybe someone's thinking Kenny Pickett or something like that and want to go the Lamar Jackson route where he's cheaper but still has that fifth-year option, and the Chiefs can go and get a couple of second-round picks. They've already got a couple of thirds. I would love to see that. Um, but I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic about their offseason as a whole. Yeah, and I agree with you to an extent. So, so you look at those moves, right? They re-sign Naughty. They bring in a wide receiver. 
they bring back a few guys um, and, and kind of fill out some of the linebacker cornerback depth with, with some of the guys they just brought in today. Um, but they've passed on a lot of defensive ends. And I think that that's where the hangup is for a lot of fans. In all honesty, for, for these deals, like for that Vaughn deal, thank God they didn't do the Vaughn Miller deal. Because like, not only would they have had to eclipse that deal, but they, they would have had to go on six years. They, they would have had to give them more money guaranteed. I mean, like, that was a bad deal. I don't think the Chandler Jones deal was really good either. The Zadarius Smith deal, I think, you know, if you're 100% on his back, yeah, it's a good deal. But if you're not, like, 90% of the teams – then I don't think that's a good deal either. So they're, they're playing smart with their hand here where they're saying, you know, we're in on Zadarius Smith. And I can't, I don't know if they were in on Von Miller or Chandler Jones either, but you say, you guys, I understand that there's a market value for you. We're not going past this dollar. I don't care what any other team says or whatever, what other team offers you. We will not pass three years, 45 million or, or whatever it was. And other teams passed them and they said, okay, well, we're at the point now where there are outside of Melvin Gordon, not really any outside pass rushers that can do anything for you. And that limits you a lot in what you can do. Now, we talked about it last podcast. The Chiefs can, of course, trade a first round draft pick and, and get a Josh Allen or I don't think Daniel Hunter anymore, especially with how Zadarius Smith, I'm assuming that they promised that Daniel Hunter would be there whenever he signed. Um, there, a, lo a lot of these options are being taken off the board. There aren't really a whole lot of things that you can do at this point besides look towards the draft. And when you do that, when you prioritize the draft over overpaying for free agents, your salary cap it gets a lot. It, you know what? Maybe you can pay Orlando Brown the, the record setting margin if you hit on your draft picks. Maybe you can afford to give Tyreek Hill 25 plus mil per year if you hit on a second round wide receiver or a first round wide receiver. Now, the other problem is, is that we're in a position where everybody knows what the Chiefs are going to take at 30, and that's going to be defensive end. And that to me makes, with everybody being on the same page, they have to draft in, they have to draft in. I just know that Brett Veach is going to pull the trigger on a wide receiver and get George Pickens or... Uh, Jamison Williams if he falls like and I'm not saying that I would hate that but <laughs> this defense how it's currently assembled and I tweeted this out earlier if if this defense stays the same no more additions or the only additions we make are fill-in players this is going to be the worst defense that the NFL has ever seen because not only do you not have an interior pass rusher outside of Chris Jones and Tershawn Wharton you have no defensive ends that can rush the passer. Frank Clark at this point in his career is a two down defensive end. And there's going to be no pass rush. There's no linebacker depth outside of the one guy we signed from Kansas state today. There's no cornerback depth outside of Fenton and Baker. There's no safety depth outside of uh, Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed. Like there, there are so many holes along this defense. The offense is great. Hell, we've got the best offensive line and probably the best wide receiving core in the league. Like, okay, I guess we got to score 45 every game, but it just kind of limits what they go through now. But now we know what Beach's plan is trade or draft. No free agents. Well, here's the thing I, the thing about, you know, the, 
that a lot of people will argue is that oh the Chiefs are pet you know pigeonholed into having to take a player at thirty that's on the defensive line. I don't necessarily think that that's true. Last year, the Bills' pass rush was improved from what they were before. And basically what they did is they signed a bunch of kind of – it's kind of like in Madden where you signed a bunch of guys who are like 78 overall players. And it's like, well, they improved my position, but they're not really that great. But they just committed to having a good rotation of players who are like, okay, we're going to have like a bunch of 78-level players, but they're all going to be fresh and rested and come off and have a solid rotation. You know, there well, are they, players – They drafted a first-round edge, though. Yeah, they did. And I mean, I'm not saying that the Chiefs aren't going to, but okay. my point right. is, is that there are, I do think that there is still a path to where the Chiefs don't draft a first round edge rusher and their pass rush improves. My frustration is going to be if we bring Melvin Ingram back and then just run it back with the same group and call that improved. I think, you know, I, I would like to, what I would like to see them do is, you know, there's still Calais Campbell and um, what's his name from the Bears? His name is escaping me. Akeem Hicks. Akeem, Akeem Hicks. Hicks. Both of them are sitting out there. I'd like to see one of them come in. I'd like to see them bring Melvin Ingram in. I wouldn't mind one one other name too, like a name that we've heard of before. That's had, their best years are behind them, but it's the sum of the parts, right? And then, you know, we were talking about Boye Mafe in the Slack channel. Like his tape just pops, and he looks like a spags guy. But a lot of people think that he might fall to the second. Um, you know. I don't necessarily think because there's there's three positions of need that are huge positions of need for the Chiefs right now. It's corner, edge, and wide receiver. We say wide receiver, yes, but Juju is a one-year deal. McCole Hardman's basically a one-year deal right now. Terry Kill is basically a one-year deal until we get some news on some sort of extension for him. So yeah, all three of those. I I think that you know if you're saying best player available, yeah, they're not going to take a left guard this year, you know, and yeah, they're probably not going to take a linebacker this year at, at pick thirty. But if they come away with one of those positions, I'll be happy. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be corner because corner looks like it's kind of like really top heavy in the first couple of rounds or the first round and then kind of falls off in that second wave. And I know that they, they talk when they, whenever they interview Veach before the draft that they look at it more like tiers. You know, we've got these players who we view as first round talents. And then there's a gap here and they're not going to go and take some guy who's a second, who they have a second or a third round grade on at pick 30 because it's a position of need. So yeah, you know, if it's Jamison Williams or who was the guy who was supposed to go really high that tore his ACL or. Uh, Ojabo. Yeah. Ojabo. If he falls, you know, to 30, which I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I haven't again, dove into the draft that much, but man, if he falls, you feel pretty good about having to wait you know, possibly six, seven, eight weeks of the season for him to come back because he's got, you know, top 10 potential at the top. That's a, yeah. that's a gamble yeah. worth making. And who knows, maybe, maybe his draft stock isn't going to be hurt that much by it, but, well, or, you know, it will. I, yeah. I would almost guarantee he drops out of the first, he might even be a mid second. Yeah. Because- I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a player that that's happened to where they've had a serious injury during the, the, their pro day and, I don't think it, I don't ever remember having it to a like top, a consensus top 10 guy. No, not a top 10 guy, but Malik Herring last year, who I think a lot of people had a second round grade on that the Chiefs got as an unrestricted free agent or an undrafted free agent. Yeah, he was he was a guy that, you know, was was up there for a lot of people. George, big Georgia defensive end like and, and he ended up falling all the way out of the draft. 
Yeah, and James Williams is kind of the same thing too. His injury, like he'll probably be much more likely to play week one, obviously. Um, But I mean, we saw Mm -hmm. Cam Akers come back from his Achilles in like six months or something insane. But this is all just to say that I don't think that the sky is falling. The concern with the Chiefs have always been just not so much what they have and have not done, but what everyone else is doing. And that, and that's the thing. And that, I mean, part of that's out of the control. Yeah. I mean, to me, the one, the one that really stings is the Cleo Mack trade. Cause that is something that the chiefs absolutely could have done pick wise. And if they just had the salary cap space available at the time, I think they could have got it done. And I, you know, if, if you change everything about, if you change nothing about the chiefs off season and just add Cleo Mack into it, I feel like a hundred percent better. I would, well, you know, I already like it, but I would truly love it then. Well, and imagine we still have our first round draft pick and we still have a third round draft pick and multiple draft picks later that we can use to trade up and get into the fourth or maybe it's a third round again. Maybe if you package all those sevenths and the fifth or whatever we have, you can get back into the second. Like I, I tried to predict it because I really thought that would have been an incredible trade for the chiefs. But that to me, I, I 100% agree with you. That that would change my outlook on this season completely. I think that changes what you do when you go into the draft. And for everybody saying that he's washed up, you would not be saying that if he was on the Chiefs today. You'd be saying we have one of the best defensive ends in the league, and we traded him for a second and a third. Veach is a god. He swindled the Bears out of another star pass rusher. So Close hope, us out hopefully you can. Today what sorry go ahead finish i didn't realize you were still talking my bad oh no you're good uh no that's that's just about it i mean to maybe each can do it close this out this discussion about edge a tweet from matt lane of casey sports network used to be at chief in carolina now he's at maddie underscore kssn (laughs) he tweets this let's just move on how many defensive ends are traditionally gone by pick 30 he breaks this down by years so pick 30, how many defensive ends have already been drafted? In 2021, three. 2020, two. 2019, six. 18, two. 17, seven. 16, four. 15, five. 14, two. 13, five. 12, seven. So the 10-year average, 4.1 edges are already off the board by pick 30. 50% of the time, five plus are off the board. A third of the time, six plus are. Take your top four defensive ends off the board. How confident are you in the fifth guy? 50% chance on average, probably higher in a stronger class, that guy is gone. Are you comfortable with that edge, edge six or edge seven? I mean, it's a good point. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of concerned me about the edge thing is that usually those guys are high draft picks. Mm -hmm. And I would dare to say that this draft is probably going to be about eight taken because this is not a strong quarterback class as much as people would like to tell you this isn't a strong cornerback class there are some really good guys up top like three or four guys but like you were saying earlier there's a gap there's there's some first round guys and there's some third round guys there's not a lot of second round grades depending on how high you are on certain players that could vary but this is a this is a draft where maybe two or three quarterbacks will be taken in the in the first round and a lot of edges are going to be taken. A lot of cornerbacks or, or a few cornerbacks are going to be taken. So the Chiefs, I, I, would, I would say closer to eight or nine. Are you comfortable with taking edge eight or nine in this draft? Or 
wide receiver four on yeah your i mean like that's that's the question right and i mean i i could still be even talk to safety maybe at that position yeah, um at 30 i, I would agree mm-hmm. but there there there, it, there are plenty of opportunities for us to talk draft i think this is a good time to call it a podcast right here uh, we've been talking to you guys about the Arrowhead Live Draft Guide. Christian, do you have any update on when that's going to be available yet? Uh, no updates yet, but as you can tell, I, I have become uh, very acquainted with all of the draft picks, at least the top ones this year. So if you want to at me on Twitter, ask me about any of the potential players that we could draft, just hit me up, man. I'm a college student. I'm in class. I'm on my phone. I'll, I'll hit you back quick. So, Excellent. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. You can follow Christian on Twitter at cbreezy underscore edits. We appreciate you guys listening. We're, um, you know, we're getting excited. I think it's almost time to start talking NBA. It's getting close to the playoffs. So hopefully we can. And of course, if you guys do like the podcast, please share it with your friends. We're always looking to grow our base. We think we have reasonable conversations here. And, you know, it's fun to talk about the NFL through not just the Chiefs lens, but overall NFL. So we appreciate it, guys. And thanks for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya.